This is Retirement Talk with Mike Graber from Compass Retirement Advisors. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Mike Graber provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. Welcome, everyone, to this special edition of Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. Our show is sponsored by Compass Retirement Advisors. Today, we have the interview with United States Senator Mike Braun. Uh, He's known as a member of our local community here in southwest Indiana, and I invited the senator on to provide uh, for all of us uh, an insider's perspective into the way uh, Washington, D.C. works, or or many of us think, you know, it doesn't work, but specifically uh, regarding uh, the spending of our taxpayer dollars, the financial condition that our country's in, and I uh, expressly want him to uh, address the massive debt that's being uh, accumulated. So right now, let me welcome to uh, our, our show, our co-host, Tony Shore. Tony, uh, jump in. I think we've got uh, a really great uh, show planned for uh, our listeners today with uh, U.S. Senator Mike Braun. Well, amazing. I, I mean, I'm so excited about this. And Mike, this is a huge get. Uh, U.S. Senator Mike Braun uh, from the state of Indiana, right here in Indiana. Amazing. And I'm excited about having him on the show, and I can't wait to hear the interview that you do with him. Uh, this is going to be a great one, and I just, you know, two mics on the mic today, <laughs> Mike Graver yeah, and yeah. Senator we'll, Mike Braun, right? Yeah, well, hopefully uh, we'll hit a, at least a triple, if not a home run, with the information today. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it's been a long time in the planning. His schedule sure. is very tight, and we really appreciate him uh, carving out a little bit of this morning for us. But you know, we're, we're eager to get started with uh, the interview, but uh, before we bring the, the senator in, I wanted to give uh, just kind of a ballpark update on the U.S. debt clock. Our recording with the senator is as of July uh, the 16th, and on July 16th, U.S. debt clock had uh, total United States debt at $28,524,247,000,000. Total unfunded liabilities are $150,946,377,000,000. And if on usdebtclock.org, you can uh, kind of fast forward into 2025, and uh, they're projecting the U.S. debt to rise from the current $28 trillion to $50 trillion. And uh, we do have great concern that that type of debt load is going to impact uh, our country and thus impact the retirement savings for all Americans. And we've invited the, the senator on to uh, discuss this debt issue uh, and some others. So we're really looking forward to it. And um, now here's uh, my interview with United States Senator Mike Braun. Senator Braun, thank you. Uh, we're delighted to have you join us today on Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. We've wanted to have you on for quite some time. Uh, to address some of the concerns and issues that we've been covering on our show over the past several months. So, Senator, uh, welcome. Uh, We're just thrilled to have you on with us today to to talk to our listeners here in southwest Indiana. Hey, my pleasure to be on, and uh, I think it's important to kind of stay in touch with the constituents. I've pledged that from the day I got elected to 
visit all 92 counties, and we've got, I think, 71 done already this year and did the same even in the difficult year of 2020 and 2019, and uh, it's one of the more enjoyable parts of the job, traveling around the state and then communicating uh, in different ways as well. So thanks for having me on today. Well, again, it, it's our pleasure. Um, on your website, it lists some of the committees that you serve on. It mentions budget, committee appropriations, and agriculture, uh, among others. Uh, so you're certainly uh, serving on committees uh, whose work directly impacts, you know, the finances of Hoosiers here in southwestern Indiana. And I know that you work diligently to protect those interests uh, for all Hoosiers in Indiana. And I agree with your website's characterization that the debt and spending is out of control in Washington, D.C. And obviously, our concern uh, as a financial advisor is that if that continues, the financial well-being of uh, retirement you know, for all Hoosiers uh, is going to be impacted. And, and Senator, I'd like for you to give us uh, some idea of what the political environment is like in Washington, D.C., you know, the Senate is known as the greatest deliberative body in the world, but from where we're sitting here, it seems like everything is so polarized. Uh, and because of that, how hard is it actually uh, for you as a, a senator representing Hoosiers to, to work with uh, other members of the Senate to try and find solutions that the American people really need? Well, I think what you described there is accurate. Uh, I knew that when I decided to run back in uh 2017 and that 15 month journey of uh, getting elected uh, from August of 17 uh, to election in November of 18. And um, it's been verified being there. Uh, got a lot of smart people in the U.S. Senate. It's very congenial uh, on uh, any type of discussion until you get to anything of substance. And I think when you get there, um, I asked the question back what have you done in a bipartisan way? And it was hard to find people that could come up with much for the folks that have been there decades. And most recently, they did pass a criminal justice reform bill, bragging about having 80-some senators uh, get on board with it. I think that was in 18 while I was running. Uh, if you remember back in 17, the Republicans did pass the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, but that was done through the tool of reconciliation, which means spending money. Um, so that doesn't take 60 votes. It is like the Hatfields and McCoys, and it's for this reason, Mike. Democrats believe that the federal government is the most important thing in our lives. Uh, they're political entrepreneurs in the way they pursue it. Uh, they're quicker to seize an opportunity when that opening arises. And Republicans, they're somewhat the opposite of that. And that's why we got Obamacare back in 2010, when that was doomed to fail, when you match up big insurance with big government. Uh, it should have been called the Unaffordable Care Act. But on the other hand, Republicans were the party of no, or I'm not interested generally. And we've got to be better at crafting solutions that the public is interested in having something happening and do it in a way that embraces a small, effective government. And, uh, you know, we misplay the game often ourselves. But, yes, it's divided. It's caustic. 
Um, and you can see it playing out in front of us now. And as it relates to debt and spending money, uh, again, I think political entrepreneurs, uh, they believe that uh, the ends uh, justifies the means, and that means putting our kids and grandkids in debt because almost all of this, including the $4 trillion that was done in 2020 in a bipartisan way, and by the way, that is almost the size of our normal federal government expenditures annually, which are $4.5 trillion. We borrowed every penny of it, and most of this nearly $6 trillion that is a grab bag, a wish list of liberal ideas. Uh, even though they talk about raising revenues and taxes, mostly a smokescreen because most in their own party uh, wouldn't be for that. But then they'll say they tried and they'll blame the fact that no revenue was raised on Republicans. Again, they're a little craftier than we are in how they go about their business. But it's sad. It's frustrating. I knew that when I was going there, and I like uh, wrestling with the issues. I've done it much more than most freshman senators would. Well, I, I noticed it didn't take you very long to, to jump right into to the mix uh, after you arrived in Washington, and, and we appreciate <laughs> you uh, representing our interests and kind of taking the bull by the horns. Uh, specifically uh, on the debt, you know, we uh, track and refer to usdebtclock.org quite often on our show, and Right now, they're showing you know the total debt at about 28 trillion. But the number that concerns me is uh, the unfunded liabilities, and and they're tracking that number right now at about 150 trillion. So, uh, with that type of debt, my question is, uh, are you already seeing uh, the debt load and the interest payments uh, somewhat crowd out uh, other projects and other spending that? Uh, we would maybe rather have our taxpayer dollars going toward uh, here in the United States. What impact is, is the debt having on, on current spending? So I'll um, address that in a moment, but I want to put those numbers in perspective. The total GDP of the world is $94 trillion annually. 20 to 21 would be the U.S. economy. The EU, if you'd include Great Britain, somewhere in that neighborhood, China is about 14 trillion. You add that up, that's 54 trillion. Those numbers you were talking about in terms of indebtedness, those are hard figures. Those are liabilities that you owe. Unfunded liabilities are promises you've made through pensions and benefits that you're asking to pay over time through a federal government that is only 4.5 trillion dollars in size annually. That shows you how much we've uh, deceived and overpromised through different things that the federal government is supposed to do. A lot of that being social security benefits, uh, health care costs are out of control. We need to reform the industry to bring pricing and costs down. Uh, but that's enough to make you almost keel over when you think about it. Um, so what drives it? Well, uh, the fact that currently I debated Bernie Sanders on the Senate floor. Uh, any of your listeners uh, look at Braun Sanders' debate on the modern monetary theory, which, Mike, is nothing more than saying that the rules of living within your means, and sooner or later those chickens will come home to roost because interest rates will go up. The only reason they haven't yet 
uh, is that we've not had enough years of this ingrained debt uh, to have that multiplier effect of what will happen. We're the only reserve currency across the world. People give us money, lend it to us with the faith that we'll always pay it back and pay the interest. You've got a global economy that's kept the lid on inflation, and we're kind of like in that uh, calm before the storm. If we keep doing, especially with what they're talking about now, spending another $6 trillion in total, including the 1.9 we've already done, um, that all is going to exacerbate, exacerbate, accelerate the move to where regardless of the fact that inflation has had a lid on it, you're going to start seeing the consequences. And even at low interest rates in eight to 10 years, we'll be paying as much for interest as we do for defense. And defense is about right at a little under one-fourth of our budget. So all kinds of bad things will happen. No one thinks in the long run out there. Most people get there, get enamored with being a senator, uh, have gone along with the flow. Republicans just as guilty in a way along the way because they've never until recently said, hey, enough is enough. And a part of that is due to the fact that it's a trade out there. Uh, defense is the most important thing we do as a federal government, in my opinion, but it can't be held sacrosanct to where they do no budgeting, they have no audits, and we roll over to them for their domestic spending up until COVID hit and vice versa. And that's what's behind the bad behavior and normal trillion dollar deficits. This is just all accelerating it and accentuating it and bringing the day of reckoning closer to now. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the modern monetary theory. Um, I don't know uh, how anyone who studies that uh, just a little bit thinks that there's the possibility of, of any type of, of good outcome uh, with that. I, I don't think they can cite an example anywhere around the world where it has worked, but yet it seems to be gaining uh, some momentum and some popularity here uh, in the States. So I'm glad that, that you mentioned that, and I hope that our listeners will take a, a look at that uh, conversation you had with uh, Senator uh, Sanders. Um, we are concerned about, you know, obviously the debt for, for several reasons. Uh, you know, we believe that at some point there has to be some combination of increased taxes and, and reduced spending to start uh, addressing that. And I think most would, would agree with that. But if you would, um, could you speak just a little bit about this debt issue actually being a national defense issue? Yes, and I tell you what, that is uh, interesting because um, Admiral uh, Mike Mullen uh, had uh, a quote that stood out uh, from several years ago that he's more afraid of the red ink <laughs> than the red menace. And what that means is that a certain point in time, uh, we will be uh, handicapped, uh, constrained, by our own uh, mismanagement of how we spend money through the federal government to do maybe the two or three most important things. And I've already said defense is that. That doesn't mean that they should have a carte blanche uh, ability to spend money. Um, General uh, Eisenhower, uh, when he left 
as president said, and he was a guy that led us through World War II, that he had a fear of the industrial military complex. So we got to be careful there. Um, but if we keep doing what the people in power now are doing, where they're cutting defense back 2%, bumping, bumping everything else anywhere from 5 to 20%, and Mike, in the context of pre-COVID, we had record tax revenues coming in the door at marginal rates that were actually lower because you can look back through taxation history. The higher the tax rate, uh, the more you put a wet blanket on the economy. Uh, generally, the lower the tax rate, the more revved up the economy is, and that you'll find that we generate around 18% of our GDP, give or take, regardless of the tax rates. It gets a better economic growth when rates are relatively lower. You slow it down when they're relatively higher. Um, but currently, uh, yes, that'll all um, end up year after year making it more difficult to do the most important things, and let's throw infrastructure in there. That's a topic of conversation now. Most Americans know we need better infrastructure. We're borrowing money, though, to do it out of the general fund, mostly. We don't even use user fees anymore. We, at least back in 93, said that gas and diesel taxes and other fees of using infrastructure should pay for it. We did that in 2017 when I was a state legislator and we got a stream of income that we're paying for road and bridges and other stuff here in the state. Um, that mentality just is not there. And yes, it'll impact defense. It'll impact infrastructure. And let's say if we wanted to shore up um, entitlements, social security, Medicare, Medicaid, all three of which are going broke and have a lot of those unfunded liabilities you're talking about, but we got to make changes there. And it's not rocket science. And actuarially, we've known what to do for decades. No political will uh, with the folks that have been running the government over the last couple decades to do it, though. Well, uh, that that's an interesting point you bring up. Uh, my wife received her uh, Social Security uh, estimated benefit statement just a couple of weeks ago, and, and we've seen this a number of times, and we uh, make sure that our listeners and those who attend our educational uh, seminars know this, but on the actual Social Security statement, uh, inside about a third of the way down on the page, it says, unless Congress acts, we only think we'll be able to cover about 79% of your current benefits. Uh, and I think they put the year 2035 out there, but you know, there are a lot of reports and analysis right now that shows, you know, Medicare hospital insurance trust fund may be depleted as early as 2026. And that's just four and a half years from now. And uh, the social yep. security old age and survivors insurance trust fund, is, I think the projection there uh, before COVID was uh, a 2036. Uh, so, uh, I, I know the impact we just discussed about the, the debt having on that. So we have the debt issue. We have the, the political divide. Um, how do you think uh, or, or what's your um, crystal ball telling you as to how Congress may eventually uh, work at uh, addressing these issues? It, it seems like, uh, you know, we've kicked the can down the road for so many years. And, and most people are, are starting to say, you know, we're running out of road. So what, what do you think might be the outcome uh, of those types of programs? 
Well, from my observation and being one that has uh, had to keep the wheels on a organization for 37 years prior to uh, running for Senate and getting elected, um, it takes that kind of rigor and discipline that we all have in running a business. Uh, imagine in your a business, say, that had a million dollars in sales a year and you were losing $230,000 on your sales and you walked into your banker and said, hey, I need a loan for $230,000 to cover my losses. They'd laugh you out of the office. Uh, they may give you something one year. They certainly wouldn't do it year after year. So uh, that is kind of what um, the mentality is there. And what will we do? Will we be proactive? Will we preempt uh, the falling over the cliff or running into the ditch so hard you go through something like a federal bankruptcy, uh, I'd say it's more likely the latter occurs than the former because uh, you sell the Kool-Aid and the largesse of federal government like the other side of the aisle is doing. It is kind of intoxicating. Everybody benefits in the short run. I'm sure there'll be a sugar high going into the 2022 midterms, uh, but you do have issues. Look at inflation. Uh, it's up there 4 to 5%. Uh, I do think there's a possibility that that could be temporary, but not if we do what we're doing now to some, to some extent, say next year and the following year. And uh, I really wish, Mike, I could say that everybody will uh, get a sobriety check out there and start doing things differently from what they've done over the last couple of decades, uh, it'll be a crisis or a series of crises that I uh, think force action. And at that point, there'll be a whole lot more pain for the American public. Think about who's going to suffer most. It'll be the elderly that depend on the government for their health care and their retirement. And then next will be those that uh, get their health care through Medicaid and any of the others that might now be more dependent on the federal government for just living day to day. All of that will fall apart, and then it'll be a painful retooling. Um, sadly, that's, I think, more likely than self-correction. Well, uh, there's only two ways that, that these uh, issues will be dealt with. One is either, you know, leadership fix it or, you know, the markets will fix it. And unfortunately, I, I agree that I think the latter is, is what's going to happen. And it's interesting. There was a book out back in uh, around 2014 uh, by the, the Bolu brothers. They are um, of the firm ITR Economics. They've been around for about six decades and they, uh, you know, economic forecast trend, that's the work they do uh, for trade organizations and major corporations around the world. And to, to their credit, they've been accurate about 95% of the time. But in their, in their book, and, and they uh, reconfirmed this uh, a couple weeks ago on a podcast uh, that David McKnight from the Power of Zero uh, fame had on, they're actually uh, predicting uh, the economic trends lead to that uh, there's actually a, a good possibility of the United States not entering a recession, but actually, uh, as you say, crushing hard into the ditch uh, with a depression in about 2030. Uh, 
Um, I, I, I hope that they're wrong. I hope that leadership can come together and, and force something to happen, but it seems like it takes uh, calamities in our country like it did at 9-11 for us to come together just a little bit, but then again, we yep. go our separate ways quickly. Uh, just in, in the couple of minutes we have left here, Senator, uh, what are uh, some of the more concerning tax proposals that you're seeing uh, put on the table, floated as trial balloons, uh, that uh, we need to be uh, paying attention to here uh, in the next several weeks. One of the things that we saw uh, as a trial balloon was the potential elimination of, you know, the 1031 property exchange. Uh, obviously, right. with, with the farms here in, in southwestern Indiana, would you uh, uh, address that a little bit and uh, maybe give us a couple things to, to really uh, keep our eyes on here in, in these negotiations? So, Mike, that is one area where you can uh, breathe a little more easily because the Dems put those out there in a uh, kind of faux uh, uh, sense of responsibility that you need to pay for this stuff. So the only two, maybe three of the 10, 1031 exchanges, stepped up basis, eliminating the estate tax exemptions or reducing them, you wouldn't have uh, all Democrats on board for that. Uh, That impacts small businesses, farms, so forth. Taking the corporate tax from 21 back to 25 or 28, Manchin has already said he'd be okay with that. And sadly, we only have two Democrats that are the firewall for almost all of this stuff spending or policy stuff that would need to keep the filibuster intact. And then the other one is the ordinary rate got reduced from 39.6 to 37. That's very likely to go back to 39.6. Neither one of those will put hardly a dent in the new spending. And then the third one on that list of nine or 10 would be the capital gains rate. And that currently on long-term rates is at 20%. Um, There's been discussion that that would go up to 28 or 30, not all the way up to the new ordinary rate, which most likely will be 39.6. But if you add all of them up, that doesn't uh, do much at all. They will then blame the Republicans for not doing the rest of it when they know many in their own party wouldn't be for what you talked about there on exchanges, especially stepped up basis and especially lowering the estate tax exemptions. Then you've got a bunch of other stuff in there that would be a little more minor. Those probably won't happen either, nor do they have much impact. So I feel better there because they don't really care about revenues. Uh, This is all being done regardless of what revenues are. goes back to what I said earlier. Revenues were growing at a record pace with the tax legislation that was put into place in December of 17, up four and a half to five percent a year. But since so many government programs are on autopilot that aren't even subject to budgeting and all those commitments we've made through those unfunded liabilities, uh, Medicare, Social Security, that's all been going up 6 to 7%. And that's what drives our structural deficits. And uh, I, don't, I wouldn't worry about the tax part of it because that'll run into issues within their own party as well. Okay. 
All right. Well, Senator, we're, we're about out of time here. I, I, again, I just want to say thank you for uh, being on Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. And uh, we'd like to invite you back uh, maybe later in the year to, to give our listeners uh, an update with uh, how this tax legislation uh, plays out, what actually uh, you know turns in, into law. And also uh, give us uh, an update uh, later on in the year about uh, maybe some conversations that are, are taking place that um, can help, uh, as, as you said, uh, keep uh, our economy from uh, taking a hard turn in, into the, that ditch. And uh, we just would uh, really appreciate it if we can uh, get you back on sometime later in this year. Senator, thank you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And um, any of your listeners, if they ever run into any entanglements with the federal government, uh, and, uh, we have a lot of uh, stuff that impacts veterans that we help out on, uh, passports, uh, all that kind of stuff. We've got a great team here in Indiana. Keep that in mind and uh, do look forward to uh, circling back here later in the year. So thanks for having me on today. Thank you, sir. Thank you again. Well, there you have it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with United States Senator Mike Braun. And I, I think if you've listened to our shows over the past several months, uh, the information the senator gave us, the in inside perspective as to what's going on in Washington, D.C., certainly validates uh, the concerns that we've been uh, sharing with you. And we hope that you'll uh, take a few minutes and, and evaluate the information. And if you're not sure that your retirement plan is on track to deal with these issues the senator brought up, Give us a call at Compass Retirement Advisors, Mike Graber, 812-787-0809. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you again here next week on Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. This is not a paid interview and does not constitute an endorsement or sponsorship of any political party. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Mike Graber or Change Path LLC. Thank you for listening to Retirement Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, contact Mike Graber at Compass Retirement Advisors. Call 812-787-0809 or visit them online at compassretirementadvisorsllc.com. Investment advisory services provided by ChangePath LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Compass Retirement Advisors LLC, the Insurance Shop Inc., and ChangePath LLC are unaffiliated entities. Mike Graber and Compass Retirement Advisors are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives and it is prior to implementation.